0: It's like you're listening to his lungs working.
1: I was. He was alive and breathing into my ears. And that is how intimate our relationship was.
0: Oh my God. Oh, that's so sweet. Hello, world is a song that
1: we're
2: singing.
1: Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy
3: the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation whose first boyfriends were torn from the pages of Tiger Beat and never, ever broke up with us via text.
1: We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall will and Holly on a routine expedition.
0: And today, in preparation for a throwback concert experience on August 30th, we will be saving the stories of one of those first boyfriends, a man-boy who solved mysteries with his brother even though they were only in high school. And he could do it while singing irresistible pop songs. No wonder we all loved him. That boyfriend is Sean Cassidy.
1: I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen.
3: And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists.
1: Oh, lot of love is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Sean Cassidy first caught our attention as Joe Hardy, one half of the feathered-haired, bell-bottomed, mystery-solving duo on ABC's The Hardy Boys Mysteries. Sean Cassidy was the son of Broadway performer Jack Cassidy and Academy Award winner Shirley Jones, and he was also the brother of legendary teen idol David Cassidy, who stole millions of hearts as TV's Keith Partridge. This meant that Joe Hardy could sing, sometimes while solving mysteries on TV. The result was a meteoric rise as a pop music teen idol in his own right, selling millions of records and hitting the billboard charts five times, including "Do do Run Run, which spent 22 weeks on the charts, peaking at number one on July 15th, 1977, which was almost seven years after his mother, Shirley Jones, had a number one hit as part of the Partridge family with I Think I Love You, making Sean and Shirley the only mother-son combination to both have had number one singles.
2: I love that. That's so crazy. Isn't that great?
1: Yes. You think of all of the um, pop stars throughout time, and that is the only Mm -hmm. mother son combo. I just love it that it's our friends. What a special thing to share. They're like
3: my two favorite people.
1: I know. It's great. Fun, fun.
3: Well, the fire burned hot for a few years in the late 1970s when we Gen Xers were just starting to wake up and step into the world of crushes. Mm -hmm. And for so many, including us, Sean Cassidy was there first. Oh, yes. (laughs) (sighs) But the love affair came to an end when Sean Cassidy played for the last time as a teen idol to a crowd of something like 50,000 people at the Houston Astrodome in 1980.
1: Oh, well, like that would have been bittersweet
3: to be mm-hmm. there, right? I bet you know, and I bet we have some listeners who might have been there. So make sure you let us know if you were. For sure, raise your hand if you were at that mm-hmm. Houston Astrodome concert. They're screaming at their their speaker right now. I see yes. you, Cindy. I, I see you, Kathy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Amy. Oh, there's another Amy. Oh yeah, hey, and another Michelle.
1: <laughs> oh, Jennifer. There we oh, go. There's
3: Jennifer. <laughs> They're all, And look at that. Becky's waving her satin jacket at us. <laughs>
1: Forty years later, Sean Cassidy decided he missed us. A concert was announced, and Kristen and I got on a plane to experience it all over again.
0: This is what I posted on Instagram the day after Carolyn and I flew to California for a a once-in-a-lifetime chance to see our 1977 boyfriend perform for the first time in 40 years. This was a gargantuan task. How does a 60-year-old man sing Teen Dream with a straight face to throngs of excited 50-year-old women who used to be 12? If you're Sean Cassidy, you do it with grace and humility and a tremendous amount of heart. He honored our experience not by recreating it, but by explaining it. Turns out that Sean Cassidy is a real and true human, a still adorable, musically gifted, real and true human. And then there were all the people that we met, people who all felt the same thing at the same time in 1977, including one who brought souvenir 8 by 10 glossies for every person in the audience. There was a fangirl moment with Tyler Labine, who plays Iggy, my favorite character, on New Amsterdam. There were friends and relatives of the dearly departed David Cassidy watching their uncle Sean hold us in the palm of his hand. This wasn't a concert. It was a moment. And I think everyone left the venue an even bigger fan than they were before. I know I did. Many thanks to you, official Sean Cassidy, hashtag first crush, hashtag 70s music, hashtag child of the 70s. Carolyn, what did you do with that post?
1: Oh, well, what did I have to do with that post? You had captured exactly <laughs> What we were all feeling in that moment when Sean stepped on stage, and he needed to know about that. So I DM <laughs> Sean Cassidy with a copy of that post, and what? well, the rest is history, because he really liked that, didn't he, Kristen?
0: So Sean Cassidy, my first boyfriend, <laughs> reposted words that I wrote with my brain. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. What comes after that part? I don't even know what comes after that part. <laughs>
1: We just lost it because he, um, I guess, put it in on his post. I mean, he loved it. And I think he realized just how um, profound the experience was for so many of us and how beautifully Kristen captured that with her words. That concert was a seminal moment in our lives.
3: Now, you guys, the opportunity has come again. A post-pandemic, post-apocalypse gift in one week. One week, the three of us are flying to Chicago to see that Teen Dream himself perform in an intimate concert at City Winery on August 30th, just Sean singing all the songs we know and love and sharing stories from his life. We will be there with almost literal bells on, (laughs) trying to keep our (laughs) 1977 selves from embarrassing us too much.
1: Mm -hmm, for sure it's gonna be great (laughs) oh my gosh I I don't
3: know if we'll be successful in that but we'll try we We might just have to unleash her (laughs) go for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) unleash the 12 year old (laughs) and the reason
0: for Sean Cassidy's appeal to 12 year olds and teen and preteen girls in the 1970s is obvious I mean look at the guy look at him but the appeal (sighs) was compounded by the
3: music oh gosh Yes. yes And these were not throwaway hits. They were mm-hmm. originally created or produced by hit makers like Eric Carmen, Phil Spector, The Crystals, The Ronettes, Bobby V, Bobby Goldsboro, Carol King, The 11 Spoonfuls, John Sebastian. Oh, John do Sebastian. We, do we need a drink, drink. every time we mention <laughs> John <laughs> Sebastian on this show? I think mm-hmm. so. And Sean Cassidy himself. Who could hide profound cultural observations inside the kind of melodies that made you pick up the needle and set it back down at the beginning over and over again? I mean, listen to Teen Dream and look at it through his eyes instead of yours, and you'll see what I mean.
0: So if you listen to in a hurricane that hurricane that he's talking about that's him observing us in the in the audience caught in this hurricane of love for him it's not talking about isn't high school great you guys he's really observing what's taking place around him and observing it Mm -hmm. as a phenomenon as opposed to look at how Mm -hmm. great I am I'm so lovable that everybody loves me he's like no something is happening
3: here Mm -hmm. and I'm observing it He's I feel he like he's be always been really respectful yes. about that too. You yeah. know, I think he's always been very aware and respectful yeah. of of what all of his fans were going through. He because yeah. he's he was a fan. I think I saw an interview that he did one time. He was a fan of people too. Um right. so sure. so I think he could he could really recognize and respect what everybody was going through. Yeah. Fangirling, fanboying over him. He's like a teen idol philosopher.
2: Mm-hmm. <sighs>
0: Episode one, which was called, this is our very first episode of the Pop Culture Preservation Society, was called Caught in a Teen Dream. And in that episode, we talk about that first concert experience a little bit more in depth, and we give you a taste of our Sean Cassidy histories. Carolyn, can you remind us a little bit of what your relationship was like with Mr. Cassidy?
1: Yes, my, my relationship was a little more intimate, because um, he would whisper <laughs> sweet nothings to me in my ear on a daily basis. <gasps> Do tell! I- I know. Well, I had these really large, foamy headphones that I would put on. And I would put on my Do Do Run Run album. And there is one song on there where you can hear Sean breathe. And I mean, you can hear him inhale and exhale as he sings, take good care of my baby. Because he says, my tears are falling. Cause you're taking her away
4: (gasps) My tears are falling Cause you're taking her away And though it really hurts me so There's something that I gotta say
1: But you can hear him breathe
4: I have to put my hand over my mouth so I wouldn't (laughs)
3: shriek It's so funny
1: It would make the hair on the back of my neck stand up That That just made the hair on the back
3: of my neck stand up.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, good one. It's like you're listening to his lungs working. I was. He was alive and breathing into my ears, and that is how intimate our relationship was.
0: Oh my god! Oh, that's so great. And Michelle, your relationship with Sean Cassidy was a little bit different, but not at all uncommon. It's something experienced by a lot of women slash former
3: girls, especially little sisters. That is correct. I have an older sister. She's three and a half years older than I am. So in the height of Sean Cassidy's fame, she was around 11. I was about seven. And Sean was her number one crush. Like she had all his posters on her wall. She had all the records. And I loved his music too. And I could listen if her door was open. If not, I had to listen through the door. But I couldn't have Sean posters or Sean records because obviously we couldn't both love him. That would have been gross. (laughs) That's too tiny. But this, this, yeah, but this I understood in like a really weird crush 101 family rules sort of way. And so she assigned me Parker Stevenson when we played Hardy Boy's Girlfriends, which even though he was a lot older, I just, I went along with, that was fine with me. Par- Parker was my boyfriend. Um, but it was actually okay because this was around 1977 and I still had Donnie Osmond. He hadn't gotten married and broken my heart yet. And also in <laughs> 1907, I was falling hard for Chachi Arcola. So it all just kind of worked out well. Um, but... Did I love Sean's music and did I think he was adorable? Absolutely. But I loved him like a sister-in-law and Mm -hmm. I was okay (laughs) with it. It was just weirdly understood. And it doesn't mean that I'm any less excited to see him in concert um, and I'm not going to be as out of my mind when I see him. Um, it's just going to be like I'm seeing my super famous brother-in-law whose music I loved <laughs> as a kid. And I might not have the same flutter in my tummy that you guys have, but what I will have that I'll share with all of you and with everyone else in City Winery is the memory of the importance he played in a certain time in my life, which that's the same. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: It'll be like a little family reunion for you.
0: Yeah, that's a, way, that's a great way to look at it. <laughs> The world, the world is full of Sean Cassidy stories because he was the nation's boyfriend for most of the late 70s. I think my whole third grade class qualifies as just one of his girlfriends. And when you meet people now as an adult, someone who is just your age and you let it slip that Sean Cassidy was your first crush, chances are good that you'll see a change in that person. It might involve squealing. It might be, but you'll just see a little <laughs> bit of softening. It's a great way to get to somebody's real and true self. So, when you're next time you're at a party and you're feeling a little uncomfortable and you're like, hello, I'm Kristen. So, what do you do? Instead of saying, what do you do? <laughs> say, who was your first crush? I love Instant that. Instant friends. Everybody loves to talk about it too. Mm-hmm.
1: They do. Mm-hmm.
0: And we do have some stories from some PCPS fans.
1: We do. Um, one of our. Favorite fans and special PCPS contributor, Colleen, um, shares with us a beautiful story about her love of Sean, which rivals that of any of us. And we're going to share it with you right now.
5: In April of 1978, with my main floor ticket in one hand and my olive green autograph book with the gold zipper clutched in the other, 10-year-old me headed off to the 1 p.m. Sean Cassidy concert in Kansas City, Missouri. Not only would Sean be singing Hey, Dini to me, I imagine after the concert, he'd want to spend some time with me. I'd casually unzip my autograph book. I assume you got to keep those autographs from spilling out. I'd ask for his autograph, and he would write a message. Maybe he'd even include his address so we could write to each other. Sadly, we never hung out after the concert. Looking back through the autograph book, I imagine the blank page in the middle was the one I saved for him. When I headed to Washington, D.C. in July 2019 to see Sean perform for the second time, I naturally took oh. the Olive Green autograph book along, just in case there was a chance for 51-year-old me to hang out with Sean. Oh. No luck. Maybe someday.
1: I love it, you <laughs> oh, isn't that great? I think we're going to um. have to take the olive green autograph book with us maybe when we go and then off chance we can get his autograph for colleen i think that would be a nice little gift (laughs) all right i'm gonna get it wouldn't that be fun Yeah. yeah when i first heard um colleen's message when i was listening the first time and she talks about how in her mind she was going to go and she's going to meet him afterwards and then she says and i'd carefully unzip and I forgot that the autograph book was a zippered <laughs> autograph book. And I thought, what? Is she unzipping? Like, this I is not good. You're a young girl. okay.
3: We have an E on our podcast. We're good.
0: She's so innocent. She, she's just making this assumption that she's going to she's gonna hang out with him after right. the show. But she doesn't mm-hmm. stop to think that there are 30,000 people there that also want to hang out with him after the show. Like, how are all 30,000 going <laughs> to hang out with him?
3: So another good friend of ours, Katie, has an adorable story that she shared with us. Sean was her first crush. She was super young. But as we all know, first crushes are monumental for us in our imaginative world. And that line between what is real and what isn't is blurred even more than when we are even a few years older. Here's Katie's story.
2: Sean Cassidy was my first love. I was maybe six years old. He was probably 20. It was the late 70s. His was my first album, and his poster hung over my bed, the one where he's wearing the blue satin jacket that perfectly accented his eyes. I would stare into those eyes while jumping on my yellow prairie-flowered comforter and sing along to Da Do Run Run for hours, only stopping to reset the record player needle to the beginning of the song. At night, I'd tell Sean about my day and imagine him telling me about his. Our relationship was one-dimensional, but significant. I loved Sean and believed that somehow he loved me too. I also believed that Sean's poster was able to see me in my room. Because it would have been totally inappropriate for Sean to catch a glimpse of me naked at that stage in our relationship, I'd hide behind my bed to change into my nightgown, turning my back to those blue eyes and staying low to the ground. Once I was decent, I'd stand on my bed and lean in to kiss Sean goodnight on the lips. I would tell him I loved him, and then snuggle under the covers and quickly fall asleep, knowing that Sean was watching over me.
3: Oh my God! I love it's how so she cute. Says, at this stage, at this stage in our relationship, <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> it's adorable.
0: <laughs> and I can just see her yeah, like turning of her. her little skinny back, right, with her, putting her and little. And she said she, she ducked way down on the floor <laughs> so oh. you wouldn't see her. Oh. God,
1: Katie, we love that story. story so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Katie.
0: And it turns out that Sean Cassidy was a really worthy first boyfriend because listen to this. So when I started collecting crush stories, I imagined all the stories would be very funny and light, just kind of silly and nostalgic, right? But it turns out that our first crushes sometimes served a much larger purpose. So this is from Jeanette. Jeanette grew up in the Philippines during martial law. The government was corrupt. Innocent people went to jail, TV and music were censored. It was not a fun time to be a teenager. And here is what Jeanette says about it. In 1978, I was 12 years old. From the most affluent country in pre World War II, my country became the most sick in Asia. We lined up for food, there were no jobs. I remember sirens every night for the curfew. When I started to ask questions, my dad said, We cannot talk like that in public because you don't know who's listening. And although television was highly censored by the government, It allowed the Hardy Boys. Despite hopelessness and chaos around me, I held on to what was good and beautiful in my life. Sean Cassidy was the silver lining. He helped me and a generation of girls forget, albeit temporarily, what was going on. Watching the Hardy Boys and listening nonstop to his songs gave me the normalcy of a teenage life.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Isn't that amazing? And here's the best part of the story. So after 40 years... Jeanette moves to this country, and she actually got to see Sean Cassidy in concert when he started this tour just prior to the pandemic, the same concert that Carolyn and I went to. I knew she was going, so I sent this story to him. I sent Sean Cassidy Jeanette's story. I just thought Sean Cassidy should know that, that this isn't just about silliness, that there are some really important things that happened because of him. So I sent it to him, but I never heard anything back. I didn't expect to. He's a world-famous superstar, right? And I'm just a (laughs) gal. But Jeanette got a meet and greet ticket to that concert and she walked up to him, the guy on the poster who helped her feel like a normal teenager, and she said, hello, my name is Jeanette. And his eyes got big and he said, Jeanette, your story. And she immediately started crying. Oh, She said she just like broke. He said, your story. And she just broke in two and started to cry. She just didn't expect to
3: to be validated in that way. Mm. She wouldn't have expected him to know her story, but that that he cared enough. Well, first of all, that you cared enough to send it, but that he cared enough to read it and then to remember her name and to remember it. Wow. Yes.
0: And so then they had a moment that she did not expect because they had a very, a far more personal moment than she anticipated. She Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be a moment where she was like, Oh, Sean Cassidy, I love you so much. You were my first crush. And he was like, thank you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming to the concert. But no, they had a very personal moment. That's unbelievable.
3: You had a huge, you had a, you had a huge hand in that. I mean, that all happened because of you, though, too, Kristen. So
1: good job. Thank you. I'm
0: really proud of that. I am really, that happy really. About that's that. That. that's powerful.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's really powerful. Yeah. I want to say it's a testament too to how he values story even now, and I think why we still love him and and enjoy New Amsterdam and some of those things. He mm-hmm. knows that stories matter, and that he played a big yeah. part in so many of our. Coming of age stories, and we love him for that.
3: Totally. One of our best stories comes from an OG PCPS superfan. Honestly, Shane has been a huge supporter of all of our endeavors since day one. Many of you listening may know him as 87 Ragged Tiger because he has lots of fun conversations with other society members in our Instagram posts. He coined the term Pop-Tarts for our society members very early on and immediately became a true friend to all of us. When we posted that we were going to see Sean in Chicago and put a call out for anyone who could to join us, Shane immediately DM'd us and said, yes, yes. And you guys, he will be flying all the way from Northern California to meet up with us next weekend for all kinds of fun. Is he coming because we all feel like long lost friends and have been dying to meet in real life? Sure. But it's also because of this story he's about to tell. Welcome to the podcast, our OG Pop-Tart, Shane.
4: Oh my (laughs) god! Welcome, Shane. (laughs) That's so
2: fun to finally meet (laughs) you.
4: I am so (laughs) glad to be here. You guys, I'm just, I'm just beyond happy. So, yay! Thank you for having me.
0: So you've got a good story to tell. This is one of the, um, one of the original stories at the very beginning of the Pop Culture Preservation Society. This one just knocked the socks off of me. Did I say that right? Knocked the (laughs) socks off. Yeah. Yeah, Your purple socks. Knocked my socks off. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) knocked my purple socks off. Okay, so you were a Hardy Boys fan. Indeed. Hardy Boys TV show that was like 1977 January of 1977 is when that started and that was kind of a game changer for you. How old were you when you started watching?
4: 77, so that would have made me 9. 77. Yes, probably little 9 little years boy. old.
0: Okay, so you were a little boy of 9 when you started watching the Hardy Boys and I there was, was one boy detective in particular who captured your attention. You're just a little boy. I think I've said that like 9 times now. <laughs> um, but what were you starting to think about your special boy detective who was Joe Hardy slash Sean Cassidy?
4: Joe, Joe, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was fascinated with the whole the whole situation of the show. I wanted to be in the show. And I and I would I would daydream constantly oh, about wow. being the younger brother. And his name was Mark. Oh and he it, oh, it wow. was, it was Frank oh my God. Joe and Mark Hardy. Of, of yes. course. <laughs> absolutely, I had so it. So that was your Shy Cassidy
0: it. fantasy.
4: Absolutely, for yeah, to be Mark kind of I wanted the hair, I wanted the flares, I wanted the sweater over the shirt, I wanted that little dab of lip gloss. Oh right, yeah, right there, in the that, just, oh, yeah. that that caught the you know the light. I think I was still too young to. Have the fantasy of being with him. I, I didn't yeah. know any of that. Right, I didn't right. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. there yet. Mm-hmm. But then, when the music yeah. came along, which I'll tell you a little story about that. I think that took it to the next level, and I had the official crush.
0: So your Sean Cassidy fantasy is to be <laughs> his little brother and help him solve mysteries, but mm-hmm. adults. They they go automatically to the sexualized place. I know, right? Indeed. They Indeed. don't understand that your fantasy is so innocent.
4: So it was, you know, Sean yeah. Cassidy was being marketed as a sex yeah. symbol. So that's kind of what the parents saw. But I wasn't yeah. there yet. If that makes right. any sense, <laughs> no, no, yes. so,
1: talks about
0: that. You well know, as I? Everyone knows this is First Crush 101. The way you express your love for your first crush is via a poster. Our relationships are literally one-dimensional because they're on paper. Mm-hmm. So how did that go for you when you wanted a poster?
4: That was out of the question. I was not going to have, you know, quote, boy pictures on my walls. So, wow. And that's fine. That's fine. It was very much a boy-centric um. Uh-huh childhood. It was very much, you know, Boys Life magazines and National Geographic and and Tonka trucks. I had a whole collection of the Hardy Boys books with the blue spines. They sat there and collected dust because I had no interest. I was a huge reader, but I was never interested in the Hardy Boys books. Now, the show was a different story, but um, (laughs) I got this idea that if I pretended that I liked to read the books and let them see me, quote, read the books all the time, they would let me hang the posters, hang the Hardy Boys posters oh on my, my wall. God. And after <laughs> yeah, a, yes. after it's a brilliant. while, <laughs> it yes. worked. I was amazed and I was so happy. Oh my God. And um, I could take the centerfolds out of the magazines and hang them up. And after time, you know, some of those would come down and Sean Solo would go up. Mm-hmm. So oh. by that time, they had kind of, <gasps> they have gotten adjusted to seeing the Hardy Boys out there. They didn't notice. You were <laughs> so, smart. Song,
3: so smart. So smart. Sneaky. Solo. Brilliant workaround. Yeah. Sneaky. Wow. <laughs> so,
4: but yeah, so it worked. And um, I got to collect the pictures and hang the pictures that I wanted. And, and that was, I believe, fourth grade, because I remember the girls okay. would sit outside the the door and and trade pictures like they were baseball cards or something.
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: Oh, I've got that one and oh I want that one and you can have this one. And I d- I could remember like it was yesterday thinking, I want to keep every one of mine. I don't want to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: not giving it away.
4: <laughs> so that was when the other boys used to say, oh, you know, whatever, you know, and say the names they did and stuff like that, because you like Sean, and you're confused because. This is just what I like, right, you know. Right. I, I don't, oh. I don't understand, I know. you know. So it was a confusing time, but Little you know what, nine-year-old I, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it gets, it gets easier, and I'm, I'm glad that I had that in my life because that was the first mm-hmm. time I had had something of my own that I loved, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. in your heart. It's, it's, it is funny thinking about it now because in your heart it's all yours, right? And yeah. not realizing that. Thousands of other most oh, yeah. girls are thinking the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: But what and what I love about this story, though, is that is that we can sit there and I mean, we can sit and ask you, you know, did was it a different type of feeling you had for Sean than we did? And it's not. It's the same because like we've talked about so many times in when we talk about young crushes and first crushes. We all have that same type of crush. It's a non-sexual crush. I mean, Mm -hmm. at fourth grade, Mm -hmm. you're not looking at Scott Baio or Sean Cassidy or Andy Gibb or David Cassidy and thinking, I want to see them without their clothes on. And that's scary. That's terrible. It's even kind of scary to think about holding their hand. So what I think is really wonderful about this is that we're sitting here, four people, and we all had the same type of crush on a celebrity in 1977. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty awesome that it's just mm-hmm. because, you know, we're females and males. That's what a first crush is. It's the same type mm-hmm. of crush, yeah. regardless of if we're yeah. a boy, a girl, gay, straight, whatever. We had the same mm-hmm. type of crush on people in, yeah. in, you know, at age 10, at age 11.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So did
3: your
0: mom know that you were a faker? <laughs> or did she just think, oh my God, he's such a book nerd. Look at, he loves these Hardy Boys books. Or did she eventually figure out that you were faking?
4: Well, I think what saved me was I was a big reader. So that wasn't mm-hmm. anything different for me to carry, be carrying a Hardy Boys book.
0: So you just always made sure that a Hardy Boys book was in the stack.
4: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> or they saw me reading it at some point. So, oh you know, God, along that's with my... So,
0: like you were staging it? Like sitting, like, absolutely. did you pretend to read it? or In the, it? <laughs> or did you in actually the car...
4: <laughs> Did not read it. Did not read it. It could have been upside down and I wouldn't have You're noticed. You're
0: just staring at page six for an hour. So I think that, I think it's clear that the, that the music was very meaningful to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
4: Absolutely. Um, the music part of it is kind of magical for me because um, my first two records were that's rock and roll and Hey Dini, And I had a cousin, Todd, and I think I've mentioned my aunt Terry a few times on yep. mm-hmm. Instagram, mm-hmm. and how I just thought she was amazing, and she really was. And I loved Todd; he was like my the big brother that I always wanted. Um, I I wanted to be like him. I was so happy when I got his hand me downs because he was just the coolest guy. He had his bedroom was just like the Brady Boys, and Todd was very much into music, he had all kinds of albums, and they had, that, they had that big console stereo with the TV in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like the size of the wall, I swear to God. <laughs> and he pulled out these two records, they were 45s, and he put one on, and those opening notes to um, Hey Dean. <laughs> and then the drums come in and then his voice and it was like something punched me in the gut I swear to God and Uh. and it just and I can remember it like it was yesterday it stopped me in my tracks and I just listened and you know Sean's voice comes in and it just kind of just surrounds you and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And and I and I just connected immediately. And I can remember Todd laughing. And we played that we played those two records, I swear to God, a dozen times.
3: Till they turned white. Oh my god.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. Todd passed away about twenty years ago. But thinking of Sean now is kind of the portal for remembering that golden moment and it brings back it brings back all those those feelings of just pure joy and acceptance and knowing that somebody else understood you know like my aunt and then from then on my aunt terry would she would be my 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 sean she would get me all the Sean stuff. I had the doll, and I had the scrapbook, and I had, you know, all this stuff. And Terry did that? And Terry did that. um, Aunt
0: Terry knew, yeah.
4: And Todd was my hero. I mean, he was, I can remember in kindergarten, I would look up, he would be looking in the window, and he would wait until I saw him, and he would wave. And I don't think he ever got to know how much I appreciated that, and how life-changing that was for me and how thankful I was for him and Aunt Terry to be there and um, mm-hmm. and I think that in you know we had kind of lost touch like I said and um, he got mm-hmm. sick and I didn't get to kind of wrap that up or so this this concert I think is kind of a little bit of an honor to him because of how much he loved music and <laughs> And Sean is very, so when I listen to Sean, that's what I think of. You know, that golden moment. Mm-hmm. And I can remember him putting those 45s in those sleeves and handing them to me. And that, oh my God. I, I, it was like I got two golden tickets to the Wonka Candy Factory. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was even better yeah. than that. And to see those records now, I still have them. And um, it brings back all yes. of those golden moments. And they were quick, and they were, you know, they, they, they went like that.
3: That's there's so much beautiful. more. Yeah, there's so much more than beautiful. just songs Absolutely. for you.
4: Yeah. Um,
3: and I really feel that this concert is going to is gonna be really emotional for you. And I feel like, but but I think in a really good way, um, like in a really cathartic way for you. Because I really feel like, and I hope, you know, you're going to feel Todd's presence mm-hmm. there, I bet, with you. Just even if it's just in your yeah. memory. And, man... Mm-hmm. That's just like a really cool It's a thing. celebratory
4: thing. I think it's yeah, it's it's it honoring really him is. and I think kind of bringing it full circle. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, like I said, yeah. he was my hero. He was my protector and yeah. and he got it. And I and he knew. Yeah. Oh, know, he, oh gosh. You know, we were Yeah. And he you know,
0: summoned you. He was like, Come here, you yeah. can do this. We can do this. We can Absolutely. have fun. My mom's
1: gonna help
4: us. Absolutely.
5: That, yeah, huh? exactly. thank
4: you for sharing exactly. that.
5: That
1: is just beautiful. Yes. Shane, I just want to say one, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And two, I am honored to be on this journey with you when you get to experience (laughs) this in Chicago, that we will be along for this um, moment is just thank you for that. It's going to be magical and we're just glad we get to be a part of
4: it. Thank you. Thank you for being Mm -hmm. interested. And that's the first time, and I think through your podcast and, um, that made me think of that, brought that to the surface. And that's the first time I've ever fully realized and told anybody that story.
3: So, oh, I just got goosebumps. Uh, oh my God.
4: Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. We're honored for yes. that.
3: Yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much.
3: Well, when we're in Chicago, we're raising a glass oh. without a doubt. Yes, and and Aunt Aunt Terry, yeah,
4: they were yeah. special. People. It adds a, a whole. It adds
3: another layer of meaning
0: to to my concert experience now because I get to be a part yes. of this memory. Same, oh. exactly. Shane, thank you so much for meeting with us today. This was such a good story, and I feel privileged to be a part of it.
4: I feel. So privileged to be on this with you guys. You guys mean so much to me every week. I just can't. Gosh, thank you thank so you. much. Oh, thank
3: we're you. so excited. You're welcome. We're so excited, and I can publicly now thank you so much for all of your support since the very beginning. Yes, thank like you. no lie, it it's has been very mar- meaningful. We're so excited to have a fun a fun yes. weekend
4: Absolutely.
1: coming up. Will we're guys. gonna have yeah. a great time with all of our. Shenanigans Sean or shenanigans, <laughs> Sean yes, shenanigans. Which <laughs> <Sean Hannigans. laughs> Shane came yes. up with that wonderful um, term, and trust yes. me, shenanigans
0: TM. <laughs> the I'm
4: three excited. of us, yeah.
1: the three of us in real time is it's going to be pretty powerful for
4: you. So Absolutely. buckle up, buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye, bye. <laughs>
0: just feel the need to reiterate what we just heard from Shane. Mm-hmm. Shane was a little boy who learned through discouragement and teasing to hide his love for a beautiful male pop star whose appeal was obvious to anybody with eyes, pretty much. And not only did Shane develop a very clever ruse to get a poster on his wall, meaning he was listening to his heart instead of denying his feelings, but then a beloved cousin... And a wise, caring aunt see those feelings, they see him, they know who he is, and not only allow those feelings, but they validate them in a loud, Mm -hmm. jubilant, freeing dance party in the basement. A moment so important Mm -hmm. to Shane and to who he is today that Sean Cassie's music will always bring him back to that truly life-changing moment. And do you remember he called it his golden ticket? That's his golden ticket moment, yes. as if like Todd was inviting yeah. him into the rest of his life. I mean, I just needed, I just needed to distill oh. that, the gravity of right. that story.
1: And again, how um, honored I feel that he shared that with us and that um, we're going to get to be witness to him uh, using that golden ticket. I just think that's going to be a pretty oh fabulous God. moment for, for us and for him. Our memories and our crushes are so much more than
3: just the memory of a poster on the wall. For a lot of us, maybe for some people, that's all Mm -hmm. it still is, was Mm -hmm. just a memory of, oh, I had a crush on him. But there are so many more stories like Shane's out there. Um, This stuff is powerful.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was, it kind of summed up for me, one of the reasons we started this podcast and one of the things we hoped would be an outcome, is that people would get to revisit some of these moments from their youth and have these epiphanies about them, like really how meaningful they were right. at that time. And I feel like that's what Shane just told us. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it makes my heart super happy. And I cannot wait to yeah. be with him in person in such a short time.
3: I, th- I is- think it's it's a testament to, Carolyn, to your point, it's a testament to how powerful these memories we have are it's not all just about funny fisher price memories or right the funny clothes we wore a lot of these memories are really important and powerful to who we who we are now
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Shane is such a great example of how this society is connecting people. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see it all the time in our um, in the comments and people replying. And then all of a sudden, little conversations will start. Another friend from the society is meeting us for the concert Mm -hmm. and we'll be sitting at our table. Hey, Jennifer. And we're so (laughs) excited for that um, because you guys sharing these memories has been powerful for us. We are seeing that nostalgia can be healing, it can be medicine, and it really exemplifies our mission. And Sean Cassidy did that for us. He brought yeah, us he together.
4: Now don't you to star
3: Hope you'll all follow along with us on our Chicago Sean Adventure. Once again, the concert is August 30th, and you guys, we are making this entire week leading up to our trip, Sean Week, on Pop Culture Preservation Society social media. It's like Shark Week, but all Sean. So make sure you are following (laughs) along on Instagram, because we'll be doing fun Sean posts all week, and also doing Instagram Lives in Chicago, and we have some other really fun surprises planned. So make sure to tell your Sean loving friends to follow all the Sean madness the Sean Anigans, at Pop Culture Preservation Society.
1: And we will be walking on Sean Shine. Walking, walking on Sean. shine we Woo-hoo.
0: <laughs> Oh, we're after such walking on Sean Shine. Um, after the Sean Cassidy concert, that is. We'll be taking a short hiatus to recover from our teen dream hangover. So expect us back here for the beginning of season three very soon when we'll finally address the Gen X elephant in the room. Are we or are we not the Brady Bunch generation? In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Courtesy of the cast of Three's Company, Jack Tripper, Janet Wood, and Chrissy Snow. Two good times. Two happy days.
1: To little house on the prairie.
4: We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song